what's up guys welcome back to another episode of sober black girls club podcast you know jay nicole and we have katie in the building katie what's up and jay nicole's dog (laughs) my dog is not a co-host on this podcast so he actually has to stay his place it's sober black girls club (laughs) girls and dogs i'm good how you doing doing all right hanging in there listen the show is the show is going it's growing people tuning in i know we got another good conversation for them today we're gonna be kind of getting into our feelings our sober r&b type bag i mean i don't know about you if i'm dealing with breakups r&b music is a must even though it's like a trigger starter but i don't know that's interesting okay we're talking about this because the other day I was thinking about, and I thought I always have to think it, but the truth is, my family's like, you always think about myself. I'm like, I really am. I, I'm like a cancer in my 12th house, and I know uh, Jay knows nothing about astrology. Um, actually, no, she does. She knows she's a triple Sagittarius, which I'm pretty sure like many people can figure that out. But um, yeah, I'm always pondering and always thinking about stuff. So the other day I got a phone call, and I spoke to someone who I haven't spoken to in such a long time, and it was so triggering for me because um, the ending of this relationship is when my addiction started, right? However, let's be very clear. It was 2017, the mid-2017, so maybe like June, May, June, whatever, around that time, 2017, I had just graduated from law school. I had to study for the bar, and I I stayed up up state um, where I went to school at to study for the bar, uh, because I knew if I was in New York City, I was gonna fail. Because ain't nobody spending time inside doors in New York City, um, right? Summertime, and I and like you know I wasn't in sobriety then. Like hello, so no one is doing that. So I stayed up there, and while I was up there, I got really close with um, one of my deans um, from the school. That's another story for another day. And basically, I was just really feeling fed up, and I was, I was feeling like, okay, I'm starting this new chapter in my life. I'm about to be a lawyer. You know, that time, like, everything was just so great. I got my apartment, you know, was about to get a new car. I had a job. Like, life was just so up for me, and all I had to do was pass um, this new bar. I mean, this new bar, the bar. And I was dating someone around the time, and I feel like the relationship just kind of, like, fizzled out. And I can talk shit. I really could talk shit, but I ain't going to talk shit. Shit, I curse on the podcast. I'm trying not to curse on the podcast, but oh well, this episode will be labeled E for explicit. Okay, so, um, you know, I felt like the relationship has fizzled out. I felt like we were more like siblings than like romantic partners. And I was just in my bag, in my feelings, and I just wanted to be done. So I remember like the last text message that I got from this person was this person sending me and I was mad for other I was also really mad about other things um a a picture of their BMW and in my head I'm like why the f is this why did you buy this like to me it was just so stupid and um it was like one of those things where I'm just like yeah I'm done like I just can't like I just felt I just I just felt done and I never responded back to that text message. And then we didn't speak. Um, like, like it was just, I, I think because we were together for too long, we both couldn't really break up with each other. But I think it was just so obvious that like, we were done. Like it was, it was done. So um, I remember speaking to my Dean and telling her like, yeah, I'm like, I'm done. Like I, you know, 
we haven't spoken in three days, which is unusual. Like, we, it was just, I was done. And she was like, Katie, you're studying for the bar. You're about to take the bar. Like, you shouldn't be breaking up with anyone or changing, like, your routine or anything like that. Like, we need to focus on this. And in my head, I'm like, uh, yeah, effing right. Like, I'm fine. I'm good. Um, and while I was studying for the bar, I was on that cycle of, one, taking caffeine pills, drinking out of coffee in the morning. And then... Um, to go to sleep I was drinking mad wine and like moonshine and like all that like cheap you know liquor from the store and I was on that cycle right so I wasn't really thinking about this person I wasn't really thinking about the relationship I wasn't thinking about really anything I was just thinking about passing the bar and that was it so one day, find you, when you study for the bar, you study for three months straight. So like May, June, July, and then you take it at the end of July. So one day in June, I was on social media. And I think I had stopped doing social media so I focused on the bar, but I, I was on social media. Mind you, my brain chemicals are like not draining, right? Again, I'm on this repeated cycle of caffeine pills, coffee, and then at nighttime drinking a lot of wine and a lot of moonshine. And that's the beginning of my addiction. So I went on social media and saw a picture of my ex and they were looking fine as, <laughs> they were looking fine as hell. And I, I spiraled. I was, remember being in my car taking like, um, taking a break. I was taking like a study break and I started like crying and just spiraling and, and like, you know, that I spent time trying to like get them back. Um, and again, even though I knew, hey, there's so much to unpack here, but one, I knew I didn't want to be with that person anymore, right? Because we just, we, this wasn't a romance anymore. This is like us, we just siblings at this point. It's just not what it's given, what I wanted to give. However, two, I underestimated that when you have had someone in your life for four or five years, to think that you could just, cut ties off with them and that life is going to be grandioso it's really it, it just shows you the lack of emotional and mental awareness that I had like you know what I mean I, this is me I'm this now we're not together I'm no longer talking to your sister you know th this is a whole lifestyle change when for the past four years they were kind of my support system so I basically spiraled, um, you know, drinking more. Um, you know, I took the bar. Kind of honestly, I thought I, I failed, but let's be real, I did pass on the first try because you really know how it is. Um, and when I got back to New York, I did still try to um, get back with them, but it didn't work out, and I was drinking more and more. And um, the topic that I want to have because during this time, I felt a lot of shame. Not only because of this relationship was done, but because I felt like, why am I depressed and drinking? Like even years after, like a year after that, I, I felt like this relationship started my addiction. But then I learned it didn't. You know, the fact that I wasn't drinking, I, I wasn't drinking. I didn't fall into addiction because necessarily of this big breakup or because of I was studying for the bar and all that stuff. I the addiction hap happened because I didn't have good coping mechanisms. I didn't have emotional and mental um, competency. I didn't, know, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was feeling. And then when it was time for me to get help, first of all, I didn't even know where to turn to get help. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't know a lot. And I wanted, to, I wanted this episode to be about people who, or for folks, people, women, 
whatever, who might be experiencing some type of breakup and maybe turning or, or using alcohol to cope. I feel like I want to talk about, you know, one, I want to give them like encouragement and, and strength to let them know it's okay. But two, I want them to, you know, use other tools because, you know, you, like you said, like, you know, R&B, right? So a lot of people, when people break up, it's like R&B and wine and, and, and alcohol. And I think that sometimes you underestimate that it can really turn into something dangerous. And it's not that like you're, you're, you didn't fall into addiction because of a girl or boy. It's because again, you don't have the tools that you need to handle what you're going through. And the truth is, no matter how much we don't want to admit it, Breakups hurt. It doesn't. It's, it's not even about the person. You can be done with the person, but it's still a grief. Okay, yes, grief bully. Let's get into it. Let's the go. fact that like the fact that this person is not in your life anymore, and you've literally spent like the last four or five years with this person. It's traumatizing. Um. So yeah, you know the floor. Is, the floor is yours. The floor is yours. Yeah, floor is yours. <laughs> Thank you. I uh, appreciate the floor being mine. No, I'm kidding. Welcome. No, that. No, everything you said was so, so relatable. And whoever is listening, I know they're like, yes, girl, I completely understand that. I think it's kind of calling us out a little bit if we're saying that it's not so much the relationship or that person, because it's easier to have someone to point the finger at, to say, oh, it's this person or it's the the breakup versus pointing at ourselves. Like you're saying we need to do, which I totally agree with. We lack the ability to cope. We don't have the right resources, whether that's knowledge or discipline or willingness. If Let's be honest. It feels a lot better, at least for the moment, to have your wine, to listen to your R&B, to cry, to break stuff, to look at pictures. At least now with the phone, we can just hit delete. We don't have to like actually start cutting up pictures and doing all this crazy stuff that I've done at some point in my life. But um, I've done it too. And I did it with that too. I mean, it took some two years, but I cut up all those pictures in the freaking garbage. Um, don't get me wrong. I still have copies on my computer, but yeah, of course. Like It feels good. It, feel, it feels good to do that. And so rather than saying, you know what, let me evaluate the situation. Let me see. Am I drinking too much because it is? Am I trying to escape and go through all that? It's it's not as that's not as appealing, and it's a lot harder. It's so much harder. But breakups are tough. I haven't had a breakup in a while, but we were talking Barely. about this. <laughs> we we're talking about this <laughs> recently. <laughs> we're watching it on TV, and we're I forget what show it was, and they were dealing with a breakup, and we're just like, man, that feeling is terrible. I remember going through a breakup before I had to take sleeping pills so that I can actually go to sleep. Crazy. Because obviously I, I wasn't going to be able to live without this person. I mean, that's what we all think, right? Like, oh exactly. my, my life is over. And then <laughs> the, the, the seeing people on social media. But another part that you put in there that's so important is when you talk about grief that's lost. But you not only in breakups lose that person, but you're losing their family too, and that life Girl. that you had with them. Miss it. You miss the relationship. You miss. You miss things. You miss hello. Like you miss the routine. You miss. Um, you know, and, and let's be very clear. I mean, there was some good parts of the relationship, but it was also really toxic. But and and oh my gosh, Jane Nicole already decided that this meeting, this um, meeting, this episode is going to be thirty minutes. Like we're we're gonna try to make it thirty minutes. So I'm not, I don't want to go too much into it, but I feel like also like growing up, right. And not receiving the love that you as an individual need, 
right? So constantly I was being told that I was sensitive from people who were supposed to be loving me, right? And from an early age, I saw that a lot of the people who were supposed to be loving me who were supposed to be loving me, it was obvious that, you know, their love was contingent on based on, on the things that I was doing, accomplishing, put it like that, right? So I get older and, um, and you know, this wasn't my first relationship. I had two other relationships prior to them where it was also, you know, people have, I've always had relationships, but some of them are just trash. And that's, you know, these three specific ones that I'm thinking about were actually really, um, you know, they were special. Like I did care about these three people in their own different ways. Um, my head turned. So anyways, so then I go to college, right? And this is my third relationship with a person that I actually really, truly like. I care for in some type of way. Um, I, I, I feel for them. I care for them. And it's like, I want them to love me. We want to be loved too. But hello, I've just lived the past 20, what, two, one years without experiencing love. I don't really know what love is. You know, I know I want to be loved. I know I want love. I know, but the truth is when you grew up, when you grow up in certain um, environments, certain situations, you're going to mimic stuff. So I, and it's nothing I'm grieving, grieving with. <laughs> like, I just think like that issue was toxic, but it was toxic because I, it was based on love that I, I only, at that time, I only had capacity to understand. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, as long as you guys are there for each other, you're loyal, it doesn't matter what happens. Like, you guys can berate each other. You know, you can you can hit him when you're upset or you can hit her when you're upset. Like, just things that we just like, oh, that's the toxic stuff, but oh, well, you know what I mean? This is still love. We love each other. And um, I'll end this here before giving you the floor, like, just through healing, through, like, self, like loving and through, um, through healing, through loving people platonically, and romantically after that relationship, um, from reading and doing self-development work, like I know that love is not just about loyalty. Love is about respect. It is about responsibility. It is about like caring and nurturing. There are like levels to stuff. And it's not just about, you know what? We love each other. Um, and whatever happens, happens. That's, that's how relationships are. No, because the truth is like, I'm perpetuating the same violence that I grew up with. So if you do better, you, you know, you, you know better if you do better. Um, but again, just trying to figure all that out, you know, I, and it's, I don't feel shame anymore, but I'm not afraid to admit that I really did drink a lot, um, you know, over, over that breakup. And again, it wasn't, you know, cause it, it wasn't necessarily cause of him. It was cause of me. It's like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Let me add this by saying this one thing. It's just like, we have been conditioned growing up to just not be in tune with our feelings. You know how many times people we used to always, I was just telling you before we started recording, you're sensitive. You cut off people too much. Let me tell you something about me. I might, I've learned, I might not have, I'm always, I'm a very reactive person. And that's something that I, I'm not ashamed to say anymore. About, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit. I think in the beginning it was shameful because looking back about when, I felt like people had wronged me. My response to get physical, I am ashamed for those things that I, I have done. Um, because it's just it's just not right. Like there's other ways you can solve um, problems. And if I am, you know, advocating or saying that I want our communities to be like less violent, even though I'm not like robbing a bank or like doing any of those harmful stuff, hitting other people, even though they have wronged you, is still an act of violence. So yes, all that stuff. 
Um, okay, not as much as but all that stuff I really do feel um bad about. Okay, I lose my chance though, so I'm gonna let you say because I feel okay, I feel like I feel like I could talk about this forever and ever and ever. And it's just a lot of unpacking. Okay, this is what I was gonna say. There's a lot of unpacking and there was a lot of packing, but I have like come to the terms, and that's why I'm able to talk about this with you today, because I honestly it's so crazy. I do not bring this up in any of my interviews that I do because it's kind of like, oh my gosh, you got a you breakup and you started drinking. That's embarrassing. No, let's let I've realized it's not just because of the breakup. It was because of the, all the things that, I, okay, this is what I was talking about. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to share thought that the whole sensitive thing and, um, and being reactionary. So yeah, I, I do feel really bad about the past, about how I used to react when I was clearly harmed or people were causing me harm. Yes, I feel bad. But the thing about me, I love the fact that I'm sensitive and reactionary because you know what? You ain't never gonna, you're never gonna have an opportunity to get one over me. I know when I'm being wronged. I know when I'm being harmed. I know when other people are being wronged. I know when I need to say things. I know like, you know, because of this thing of me being sensitive and react, reactive right so we have sbgc um and no one is ever 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 going to um uh okay i'm mad just by saying this <laughs> i don't know something like five thousand times but no one is ever going to make me feel bad about that or shame me for that but i say that to say that like i've always had emotions i've always had sensitivity and if, and if i was brought up correctly and i say that was you know my whole childhood was garbage it's, it wasn't but if i was well, up in a way where, you know, being emotionally in tuned was okay and, and encouraged. And it's like, you can be sensitive. You can um, be in tune with your feelings. However, I, I would have, I wouldn't have turned to alcohol to cope with all that stuff because it was there. I am, in, I, I have emotions. Trust me. I do. I just didn't, I didn't appreciate them. I didn't understand the way they worked. I wasn't taught to, to learn any of that stuff. All right. I, I feel like I'm rambling and I am decompressing because again, I, I have, this is my first time talking about this. One, I don't want the person to think that they <laughs> don't don't get too too excited. Um, and I just don't want. Ugh. Anyways, um, so but this is my first time talking about this in public and really admitting that, like, no, that breakup may uh, encourage me to turn to the bottle to cope more than I would like to admit. And it was dangerous because it was one of those things that fueled or be- started my my addiction. To be honest, we could end the episode there. I've I've learned so much just sitting here listening <laughs> to you. I know people have to. I, I I definitely applaud your bravery to share that because I think that's a big part of our healing journey is that ability to be vulnerable and have those vulnerable moments and just lean in because a lot of people can I can I can attest to it, I can relate to it that when you're brought up a certain way, certain things just will lack. And depending on the circumstance that you get in that will bring that out then you could turn to alcohol or turn to, turn to drugs or whatever it is if you don't know how to really cope or or necessarily like you said be encouraged to say that your feelings are valid and your reactions to how this pain is causing you and breakups but calling it out so it's like a lot of times we have the relationships that are bad and toxic for us but it still hurts when it ends it's still a grief it's still a loss it's still something that you have to experience to it takes a lot of work to kind of move on because there's so many things that are just like still in your mind and still that you have to deal with and we may not give it enough credit. And so if you are out there and you're drinking and doing whatever because you're so hurt, what Katie is saying too is we have to get to the root of this stuff. We can't just 
but we can. But if you want to live a certain life, especially in sobriety and being sober, then you do have to name it and call it out and put it there. It's, it's, it's really a fact. I think that alcohol plays parts in relationships too, because especially I think marriages, and I'm, I'm only saying that because I've, I've heard people who stay in a marriage for multiple reasons that are is not themselves. It's like, maybe I have children and I just can't go. So I'm going to drink all of this wine. I'm going to mm-hmm. make it like ladies night. But in reality, it's escape night. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm now being able to be kind of who I want to be, maybe emotionally. Because I know when I was drinking, I would just say whatever. Like I was one of those like totally in my feelings kind of person. I'm talking about calling anybody, calling my parents, saying the craziest things. It seemed crazy, but it's they always say like a drunk mind speaks a sober heart or whatever it is or whatever that saying is. And then they would be like, yeah, you called me saying all of this stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not how I feel. I was just drunk. But it's like, no, maybe it is somewhere in there how I really feel. But sober i haven't had the courage to say that or felt Mm -hmm. the the level of importance until i'm crying and i'm angry Mm -hmm. like some people might start drinking and get like angry or whatever's going on but i'm sure there's a reason why that happens too like i don't because in i don't say normal life but in a sober life i'm not really an angry person i'm not Mm -hmm. someone as violent but drinking a couple drinks in well i don't know where this is going to go if we start getting into this argument it could get a little wild and so it's really important that we recognize the roles that heartbreak really does play in our choice but educating ourselves on healthier coping mechanisms can help and just honestly take the the mental health jargon out of it just get real with yourself get honest Why am I drinking? Why am I doing this? Is is this wine because I like the way it tastes? Because when is the last time somebody really said, I, I actually like the way this tastes per se? Because some drinks taste nasty. It's just not really that good. Some are good, but I would just drink some things for the end result, not because it was like pleasurable. And I think if I'm also being honest, that's one of the things that I, I missed or kind of missed is that when I'm at a place in my life now where I feel like to be able to enjoy a drink mm-hmm. would be cool. Whereas like, I'm not drinking because I want to be drunk or escape my, my feelings, my heartbreak, my sorrow. It's mm-hmm. because I think the drink tastes good, but no, nah, I don't think that was ever the case when I, when I was drinking as an adult. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I'm thinking about things that people can do, especially if, if you aren't sober and you do drink, um, because all types of people listen to this podcast, right? So I'm, I'm being mindful. One, if you are, because again, when this breakup happened, I was drinking, right? However, I sulked for too long. I sulked. And, and it wasn't only that, right? It was just, again, I talk a lot about low self-esteem, which plays a role into like how I saw myself after this breakup happened. Like really thinking that the best part of me was this person. Like absolutely motherfucking not. Like, you know what I mean? Not understand. Like it's, it's, I, I do talk a lot about me realizing, and I spoke about it in interviews, so realizing that I had low self-esteem that I had, like I found pride in again, tangible things 
And one of those things was also this relationship. I was happy to say that, like, I was a kept woman. And when I tell you, like, it's just a whole bunch of, when I tell you how, like, my friends always remind me that in high school, I used to always say this, which is so crazy and so funny. But I actually used to, I used to, I did used to say this. And I kind of still, you know, I used to always say, oh, I want 11 kids and I want to be a stay-at-home mom. At 16 years old, that was my aspiration. And again, I think it had a lot to do with like me just feeling that I was unloved and 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 um, being in community with people who were unable to love me in a way that I needed to be loved, that I needed um, to grow and to be true men. So I used to really think in my head that like, um, I used to think in my head all the time that like, you know what, I'm going to get married at, at an early age and I'm going to have all these kids and just be a housewife. And and I'm not against like, I'm not against marriage. Clearly I'm not against marriage and I'm not against um, having kids. But when I got sober, I realized like, holy F, like this, this low self-esteem, this not understanding who we are as a people, this, this whole people pleasing, this whole like finding our greatness and thinking that it really lies in other people. It goes far because now that I'm a sobriety and I, I enjoy myself in all aspects of, 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 you know, we can imagine I enjoy my platonic relationships like with you and other people, like, you know what I mean? Like my friends and I, we spoke about this earlier. I don't call a lot of people friends, but like people in my life that I'm in community with, they have a, they, you know, they give, they bring me so much greatness. They bring me so much joy. And I think about it all the time. Like, and, okay. and I'm not saying I don't want kids, but I just know, I like I say, if I get, have a kid, it's going to be when I'm 60. Like we're, do, we're doing the whole freezing the eggs thing. I might do an adoption, but I'm happy with life for the most part as it is now that I, I don't feel the need to like, you know, get a, have a kid. Like I don't need a, my, a kid to fulfill that position. And that's all another conversation about like thinking that kids can emotionally fulfill people. Right. But that's, was my, my thought process. I was going to have all these kids and life was going to be great. Um, I know I'm rambling because this is really a deep conversation, but I always thank God that like, I really do sometimes do thank God, uh, not for my addiction. Well, I'm going to say it, that the addiction happened because it was what addiction happened that encouraged me to get my shit together for me to really look in and see like, why was this my reaction? Why do I feel like this? What is going on? And it took, it really did take a lot of learning and unlearning. And it made me realize how dangerous white supremacy is and capitalism. And how, even though I've never saw my parents, honestly, with white people, they practiced a lot of the ideology in a way or another. And not only maybe they, they themselves didn't practice, but how, but how white supremacy, misogyny, um, capitalism manifests in some of our cultural practices, right? So you know what I mean? It's really, it's deep. It's so deep. Like I, like I would need a whole freaking season, you know, somebody want to call me, pay me, I will do it and we can get into it. It is dangerous, even though, and I switch gears a little bit. I do need to say this, even though, you know, I know people, I was having a conversation with someone um, and they were like, yeah, I know Katie, but like, you know, when I, you know, my dad did this, this happened and like, yeah, white people do really horrible things, but like the people who have done horrible things to me um, are people who look like her. 
And I said, I agree. That's some real ish. Let's get into it. Let's get into it, right? Let's get into, and this is not the case for everyone, but again, we have to like unpack. Let's get into this, this, this notion, which I took for myself, not even her experience, of just constantly feeling, which we talked about this earlier today and other aspects, that people like to control me. They, they like to have some type of dominance over me. And I was sharing with Jay um, an experience I'm going through and how, you know, she said, like, does this connect to like your childhood? It's tr- it is triggering. It's very triggering that people feel like they own you or that you're property. You know, it's very triggering. Um, it's, it's very dangerous because then you lose a sense of who you are. And then you start moving through the world, pleasing the people who have made you believe that they own you or that you, that they, that you, they, you owe them something for whatever reason. And how does that, how does that relate to white supremacy and racism? Again, a lot of our parents and, and, and no, I hate saying progress. A lot of our folks are older folks. Like literally they grew up in a time where they went out, like, you know, they were like bosses. They were being told what to do. They were being discriminated against for, for housing. They couldn't get certain jobs. No matter, excuse me, um, no matter their education, no matter, like, you know, all these things were, were stacked on top of them. Right. So in a place that glorifies power and domination, and when folks are not getting it from the outside world, where are they going to try to get that domination power from? Home. Mm. And it's always going to be the, the people with less physical power who suffer. You, so, you're, and, and, and this is the thing, this is something we talk about next week, right? We, Jay, Jay and I are going to have a really serious conversation next week, but it goes into when people say things like, I can only focus about my, on my sobriety. I can't talk about rape. I'm like, what are you even talking about? If you can admit that your drinking is only a symptom and you're, and you're drinking because you went through all this stuff, regardless if it was colorism, regardless if it was with other white people um, or people in your family, the, the, the idea, the notion stems from certain practices that are just, and, and beliefs that are so ingrained in this cult, in this society, in American culture. So if you're saying that you want to break generational curses, how can you think just by you not drinking is going to break a generational curse? That right there, that's that's big. That's a bar. We really, we should end it with that. That was, how are you going to break the generational curses thinking that you'll do that by just not drinking? You have to get to the root. You can't, it's, it. yeah, like the triggers and everything like that. I mean, to be honest with you all, one of the things, one of the main reasons why I have been able to remain sober and stay in sobriety is because I made promises myself that when I have children, they would not experience half the things that I experienced, mm-hmm. half the things that I was around. It's just not, it's just not something that I, I want. And me drinking, I, it probably would be a repeat of a generational cycle as far as what they would have to experience and being able to deal with that. So um, before we, before we, sorry, I'm going to cut you off. No, no, you're good. 
before we end it, I do want to give like some tips on what people can do. So like again, and I know because I keep a diversion. I'm sorry because this is shit. This you could just go in and 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 and. Okay, um, I do think again one validating like what you're going through and understanding that like what you're going through is very normal. It's not an indication that you're weak, that you're simple minded. Um, you know, we are we are, we naturally we are a community of love. Like we love love in all types of forms, self-love, hello, platonic love, family love, whatever. So one, validating. And two, I think recognizing when you need help, if you're drinking or not. Like even if you if you are drinking, recognizing when, you know, maybe giving yourself a, a, a deadline and saying like, okay, I'm going to soak or A, B, and C for maybe like whatever. I'm not going to give you a deadline because I don't want to quote me on this, but a deadline. And then if you're still feeling strong, you know, somewhat, you have strong emotions it's probably a sign that you need to get like outside help and there's nothing wrong with that there's really absolutely nothing wrong with that but just to understand that you know i know a lot of times people think that drinking problems just manifest like i know it's easier to believe that but it does it like you know what i mean if and if, if you have been drinking for a, a wide period of time a long period of time it may be hard for you to track when it is start and when it get problematic because for me my addiction really it all happened like within a four year span. It is very easy for me to tell you how it got bad. I can easily tell you when it got bad. I can easily tell you who I was with when it got bad and on all this thing. So you have to, um, oh shit. you know what? Can you, okay. I think, I think we gave them some tips, right? So the first tip was to one, identify their emotions and be honest. And then secondly, be get help when you, when you need it. Like drink, uh, drinking problems and addictions just don't manifest on its own. They gradually, they gradually become, and the more you drink and the longer you drink, the dangerous it gets. I know we think it's funny, not funny. It's soothing to listen to RB songs and while you're drinking wine, but it can get out of hand and it can spiral. Um, so don't be afraid to, to get the help you need. And honestly, there's probably a lot of stuff that I didn't even say, but that's really dependent on you and what you're going through. You need to check in with yourself. Do you need to spend some time with a friend? Cause you just can't be home by yourself right now. Do that. You know what I mean? Don't be afraid to get the help to check in with yourself and get the help that you believes is applies to you in your situation don't be ashamed and i guess like just stay strong i think i'm done um okay this was like such an emotional episode jk no it is so good though so good we needed we needed to hear that i learned a lot i was just sitting here listening to you talk honestly and just learning so much with that so everything that katie just said as far as the tips I'm going to echo that. I think that we are talking about breakups and also evaluating what we need to do as far as our breakup with alcohol itself or whatever your addiction is and and trying to do that. Oh, I'm so sorry, Jay. I'm so sorry. And again, and also when we talk about help, this is another thing. I'm so happy I remembered this. Um, We talk about help. Help looks, you can get help in many different types of forms. So I know sometimes, you know, people tear therapy and like oh i don't want to do that why don't you get a self-help book like you know what i mean a lot of my insight comes from me reading like to be honest with you like it comes from me reading books for me um you know researching things like why do people do this and why did this happen and then someone recommending a book i can recommend definitely you know miguel um um Miguel um, Miguel Ruiz who is like an amazing author who has so many books and not necessarily about breakups but in about but the, his books is about um he does have a book about love and mastery but he has a lot of books that just basically explain why 
um, people do what they do and why like we were conditioned to do certain things and we don't have to carry it on. So I definitely, if anyone's looking for a self-development book, I would always recommend starting there. And then of course, um, after this, I'm done. I'm gonna plug in, you know, Bell Hooks, rest in peace. Like Bell Hooks has really transformed the way I just see everything. Like I don't, I don't know another person and i learned about belts like two years ago three years ago the short period of time that i've learned about her and and like read her readings um it just has transformed my life and how i see myself how i see other people um in terms of like forgiveness in terms about like love and again these are not really um books about love or how to get over a breakup because usually that's not really the case like usually the case is something deeper like and and for me and i and i'm not gonna beat the horse for me it was like low self-esteem and not recognizing why i really did feel like this was like i was never ever gonna you know get find anything better than this and then that this was the best thing about me and not even able to see like all the things all the great wonderful things about me and those two authors um activists you know they have so many titles they just transformed everything so i really you know i want to i want to say that it doesn't only have to be therapy it can be books podcasts okay you know put this up you know include sbgc podcast a part of your two box right like shut up okay i'm done no they're already they're already doing that this is a self-help option for them so keep searching for that relatable content we hope this episode definitely helped you in some way or another. Make sure you leave us a comment, some reviews, anything like that. DM us, reach out, let us know what you're thinking. D- DM me. <laughs> like me, like uh, no, because people are gonna watch this and see that I gave a face like DM. No, I was just I you sliding her DMs. Gonna, I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna sugarcoat it. My DMs are overwhelming, so send it to Jay. Um. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, send it to me and we'll go from there, guys. We'll catch y'all next time. Peace.